Welcome to Code Chefs, the podcast for hungry web developers. I'm your host today, Vincent, and with me is Herman Gamboa. Hi, guys. So for today's topic, we're going to be doing a talk on building a software developer community. And this episode is basically for anyone who is interested in becoming an organizer to organize tech events for the developer community, uh, whether in your local one or whether virtually. And we have two guests here today. We have Jacques Fu and we have Brian Rinaldi. So Jacques is the co-founder of Stacks and Incoming 500 Companies. And he's also the co-founder of Orlando Devs. And he runs a podcast called Taking Your Time Podcast, uh, a life management uh, podcast. And then uh, Brian Rinaldi is a develop, developer experience manager at LaunchDarkly, which handles feature flags for a lot of large-scale applications. He runs CFE Dev, a virtual community for developers, as well as being an editor for the Jamstack newsletter. And he also co-edits Mobile Dev Daily, a newsletter for mobile development news, and as well as being a co-organizer for Orlando Devs. To kick things off, could you tell us a little bit more about Orlando Devs? Yeah, absolutely. And first, I, ha- I do have to say, since I speak to you a lot in person, you you do have a really nice radio voice. Compared <laughs> oh, thank to your, you. Uh, you should put a little bit more effort into your in-person conversations. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds so great right now. Oh, thank you. Right. So th- thanks for having uh, uh, Brian and I on the show. I mean, you know, maybe I can sort of talk about the uh, the origin story of Orlando devs. And then Brian, uh, and, and Brian actually knows uh, a bit, a bit about that as well. And then Brian can kind of talk about, you know, what, uh, what we do today. You know, I, I wasn't the, you know, it's Orlando devs first started as a meetup. So there was no organization per se, Sergio, a great guy, uh, Sergio Cruz, he, he, you know, originally ran and organized uh, the first, uh, first, you know, number of events for a while. And I connected with him and we sort of talked about, hey, you know, it might be good to kind of expand and offer support for other uh, meetups that are related, you know, because within Orlando Devs, there's obviously different pockets of groups. And so that's where we came up with the idea to to make a nonprofit. He asked for my help in, in organizing that. So originally I wasn't um, planning to take, you know, uh, a, you know, too much of a hands-on approach, but some life things happened with him. And so uh, when when he left Orlando, I kind of took over the mantle of running um, uh, Orlando Devs, um, or at least the you know the the back end organization of Orlando Devs. And really, I think for me, what one of the things that I saw in the community was I just wanted to make sure that there was continuity. Like I loved the events, I loved um, the the you know people connecting and uh, getting jobs and learning and all of that stuff. Uh, but what it, what I would often see was there were pockets within within the community. So Orlando Devs being the general umbrella, you know, maybe the PHP group organizer would get burnt out or something like that, uh, and then would stop having their meetups. And so there wasn't really like good succession succession planning because, of course, why would there be? These are all like volunteers of you know individual organizers trying to do these things. And so I felt like if there was an organization that that was their focus was to keep you know all of these um, communities going connected. Um, that would be a really, a really nice benefit. So yeah, that was, that was my intention, but, um, you know, Brian, you, you want to kind of talk about, you know, your, your involvement and and kind of what we do today? Sure. So I moved to Orlando, I guess be, uh, four and a half years now. And one of the first things I did was just start going to 
love some local meetups. I went to Orlando Devs, obviously, because it was the biggest. Um, and then I also, you know, I went to JavaScript meetup. And I mean, I just started showing up to meetups. I wanted to get to know the community, get to know the, you know, what was going on, uh, you know, the different companies around here and stuff. And uh, I loved Orlando Devs was probably the my favorite. And I loved going to that. And so I was consistently going got you know kind of got to know Sergio kept offering like I'm like hey Sergio if you need any help I'm always here and he never really took me up on it until when basically I guess Janelle had been helping out and she got burnt out on it and then Sergio had life stuff and all of a sudden I was running the meetups because yeah somebody just had to step up and do it right so so I just started running the meetups um and I, I how long has it been now Jacques it's been like it's been a couple of years. At least yeah. a couple of years, yeah. So sorry, the pandemic is messing with like my mental timeline. <laughs> you know what? It's yeah. it's de- it's been longer than a couple of years because yeah. I was doing it for a while before the pandemic. So and even, you know, this was I, I think I'd only been here like a year. So I think I've kind of been running the the meetups even even though I wasn't on the board or anything, like for about three years now. But I've yeah. done this kind of stuff before. I mean, I've run um I used to run a bunch of different groups in Boston when I was there for a while. I ran for eight years. I ran like a developer meetup in Boston. Um, and, you know, I've run on conferences both in Boston and here. I've run online communities, as you mentioned earlier. So, like, it kind of was fit with stuff I, I enjoyed doing. And, you know, and I really, I think one of the things that's interesting to me and kind of what, what Jacques get, got at is what's different about Orlando devs than than the average meetup is just it is actually like it is a, a not-for-profit organization it is not just like a random person's meetup that that will come and go after that next person after that person gets burnt out and it you know we've tried to do things beyond what a typical meetup would do not just with the slack group but also like you know supporting other meetups so that we can kind of expand the community and running hackathons and and different things like that to try and be more than just like a monthly gathering of of people um to be you know to be something that kind of gives a lot back to the community as well that's awesome that's good to hear from both sides of your perspectives I know like when I first started my developer journey, like I was in Orlando and I remember going to meetups almost every day. And then to the point, like me and German were both called Mr. Meetup because we'd always show up so frequently. <laughs> and, and like we started becoming friends afterward and became like best of friends after that moment. Like we actually competed our first hackathon together through actually people that we've met through Orlando devs. We actually got our jobs around the same time, like through like networking or Lando devs. It was just all part of like this experience as someone who hasn't had any knowledge or pre-knowledge of coding or development. Like it was just like a, a phenomenal experience for me, like especially considering I like had been struggling for like a year, like on and off, like learning on my own and going through tutorial hell and, you know, it's like you, you don't, you can only learn so much in your own circle, right? In your own little bubble. And like hearing this, like from your perspective, like how much work it took, like to actually bring things together. I know uh, Brian, you said you've organized events before, and then you like you you two have been both doing this for like two to three years at least. So like, there's been a lot of effort to like building the community, not just in Slack, not just in like 
not just in meetings, but also through partnerships with like Project Orlando and the other Orlando tech communities. So like this was just been like something that that's been going on for, you know, a long time. Like there has been a lot of effort to grow the community and, you're, and both of you guys have been a major integral part with it, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I think I do. Although I will take issue with your title of Mr. Meetup because I think that's Dwayne. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we can compete with Dwayne. Actually, no. We were, were, me and German were close seconds and thirds. Like, we we came very frequently too. We weren't as frequent as Dwayne. (laughs) (laughs) He never showed up to a meetup that Dwayne wasn't at. I know. <laughs> I know. I remember going to like an iOS meetup one day and then an Android meetup the next day and then like a web development meetup the next day after that and a database talk. And I'm like, I went to five meetups in one day in one week. And it was great. Like I learned so much. Like like I went to a meeting where I just didn't know anything about it. And like one talk was like on PowerShell. Like I didn't even know what they were talking about for an hour. <laughs> And yeah. actually, believe it or not, that's actually how I met someone that currently works at my my job. Like I met him through there, and then I actually got a referral through him. And then that's how I got, I've gotten almost all my jobs through networking. Actually, either through developers I met through Orlando Devs or developers I met in different dev communities. So it's been I mean, great. That's exactly what we want to happen, right? We want jobs. We want learning. We want you know people to connect with each other. So you know, you're you're sort of like our ideal target market for the community. And this is yeah. this is the kind of engagement that, you know, we hope everyone can can get value out of. Yeah. And I, I think it's also really great to see you starting up Tampa Devs. And I think this is the perfect opportunity time wise, um, because because the pandemic basically killed off so many groups. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's really uh um, you know, a hole in the community in terms of, you know, a lot of communities are suffering with like developers needed that experience that you had, that ability to find a job, that ability to meet other developers and share experiences and and things like that. And and to learn from those things. And, and I mean, you look around and, and, you know, these meetups have been kind of just, most of them have been killed by, by the pandemic, um, it was, you know, it's hard to run. Online events are, are not not easy and they particularly, so I run a lot of online events, for instance, and I'm, I okay, I started out super skeptical when I did my first online events, like this was, uh, would have been like four and a half, five years, four, four, four and a half years ago, I started running them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before like it was a pandemic required thing. and. And I started out super skeptical. It was just the easiest way for me to get started doing what I wanted to do. And and so I started running them. And then I, I'm like, okay, I actually like this. It's It can be enjoyable and it's a different experience. And it brings a lot of people from different places as opposed to like a lot of people from the same place. And so that's really cool. But then the pandemic hit and we moved things like Orlando Devs online. And, and I got to say, like, it's a whole different experience. I'm like... I don't want to like Orlando devs like, okay, it's, it, I had to do online because that's mm-hmm. all we could do. But like I, the whole point of that was not about just about the the sessions. It was really, I mean, not, it was mostly about going and talking to people and meeting people. And, and mm-hmm. because all of, all of you are right here in my community, right? Like, <laughs> you know, we live near each other. It's like, you know, so, so it just had a very different feeling. It, it, it felt like, just something was really missing. So I can see how other organizers 
would be like, yeah, this just isn't really doing anything for me. I, I know one benefit though of it is uh, we've always had this separation in our community. We've had thousands of people come to our, you know, Orlando does meetups. And then we've had thousands of people in our Slack channels and getting our newsletter. And a lot of them weren't the same. Like the overlap yeah. was maybe 25% uh, and the rest were either online only or um, in person only the, the one benefit of the, of the pandemic, if you can call pandemic a benefit, but uh, is that, you know, th- they were finally together at least for this, this brief moment, right? Like yeah. our goal, I think is to kind of fuse that uh, going forward so that, you're just part of the community. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, in online or uh, offline, you know, our, our goal is to sort of have that as yeah. one cohesive community. Agreed. Unless you live in Tampa, then we don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Tampa is not that far from Orlando. It's only like an hour and a half away, depending on what part of Tampa you're talking about. <laughs> an hour and a half away. In the, in the imaginary universe where there's no traffic ever going to Tampa, which what I've the, never thinking of making a new city or like Orlampa or something like that. <laughs> yeah, let's just forget about Lakeland. <laughs> well, actually, uh, we've actually had a few people from Orlando come to some of our events. So we had uh, Ryan Harrigan. He's been coming. He came to like actually almost every event. <laughs> He's an awesome. He's a great, great community member for both for both uh, Tampa devs and Orlando devs. German has some some insights that about his time at Orlando devs as well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten to go to Tampa yet. I was going to go the other week and I couldn't. When I first started learning about tech, obviously my first thing to do was go to a meetup and then realize I don't know anything because uh, my first meetup was actually, which was my first meetup? Uh, it was Orlando JS actually. Uh, they were talking about TypeScript and stuff, and completely thought that was a completely different language and stuff. So that was scary. But as I started going out to more meetups and kind of like meeting everyone, things started to click. And obviously, a good chunk of like the jobs I've had in the past and things like that have come from people in the community. So it's been awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I remember like. We used to see each other like almost every day. <laughs> yeah, it was either I always saw you or Dwayne. It was always both of you guys. And then Gene, whenever he was present, I haven't seen him in a while though. Oh, I haven't seen him in a while either. Yeah, it was just a, a lot of people that it's funny because like I, I wanted to go over like kind of like at least like how we started Tampa Devs. Uh, you know, you guys had that reunion at the Wellborn, I think, two months ago. Yeah. That was the first time you had. That was the first reunion, quote unquote. And um, I actually invited like three of my Tampa friends, like that were also in the development space, to come over there. And then we just carpooled together. I was telling like the people I knew back in Orlando, like I knew David K. Piano, I knew uh, German, and then I knew uh, like Ryan Harrigan and, and all these other great developers in the space. And I wanted to introduce them to them because Tampa didn't really have a cohesive experience. I mean, like you're saying, Jock, like all the groups are segmented. It feels like, to me at least, like it, it was not was never nearly as a, a cohesive community as Orlando Devs when I first moved to Tampa. So it was kind of always in the back of my mind that like, man, I kind of wish there was this awesome community like back in Orlando, but it it, it felt different. It was, it was like a different type of community. It's not the same, like, Orlando is much more younger, I would say, demographically than a lot of developers in Tampa. So it it felt like it wasn't as fun or magical, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, we it was more, have, uh, more enterprisey. It was more <laughs> enterprisey. Let's put it this way. It was more enterprisey. More security topics, more enterprisey topics. And 
I, I, I'm mostly like more about startup life, so it didn't really apply to me. And I remember going to this this reunion and then like introducing my friends from Tampa to the ones in Orlando, like two different circles that I've known for years that just kind of going together. And then my friend Jonah was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, all these really cool people. Like, why don't, where are these people in Tampa? <laughs> it's like, why don't you just start something like this? And I'm like, I thought about it. And this conversation actually occurred several times over the course of several weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do it. Like there was like an actual backstory. It's like why we're starting it. And we already, we were already meeting as a group of friends to talk about career development, about tech and whatever. Since I, I've been, I'm, I'm much further along in my tech career than they are. And they're kind of starting off. They're kind of like me back like three years ago. And I've been seeing like this need, like there's no one out there and the, Oh, there, there are communities in Tampa, but they feel disjointed. Like there's no one actually pushing things in a unified, cohesive sense, at least in my mind, not, not to like the level of Orlando devs. So, so I kind of missed out on that. I kind of missed that feeling. So that's why I kind of started it. Oh, definitely. Uh, glad that, um, you know, you know, we could, uh, spark, uh, that, uh, initiative in helping you, you know, build something similar in, in Tampa. And, um, I'm, you know, we look forward to seeing all the amazing things that you're going to do. Yeah, and I would say I would say like one of the things that surprised me when I came down here is that Orlando did have just it had a very different feel for the community, and I think that's partly to do with Orlando devs, but I think it's just I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something about unique to Orlando that because I came from Boston, which had a huge tech community, right? Like, I mean, it's a it's a hub for a lot of startups and things like that. I mean, it and it did not have that feeling. You know, even like their JavaScript meetup, which like there was a lot of people doing, we it kind of faltered and there wasn't very many people going. And it was a lot of like, you know, groups spun up, died, go, like they weren't really well supported. And even the ones I ran, like it was hard to get people to come out half the time. And and, and then I came here and and like, you know, You'd go to, you know, the Orlando devs meetups and there was like, you know, a solid like 80 to 100 people and everybody was super friendly. We filled up an esports stadium one time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, you know, and even like the JS meetup would get a good crowd and and, and it was just like there was a very different feeling here and and a lot of a lot of support uh, in a way that that I haven't seen before. So. You know, so hopefully you can recreate that in Tampa, but you know, uh, but I do feel like Orlando does have something a little bit special, and and it's not just because of Orlando does; it's just something unique to the community here. It's Disney World, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. I mean, <laughs> maybe Universal Sea World will have something to say about that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it has something to do with the fact that I mean, when I tell people from like the you know the West Coast or even from like you know the Northeast, I'm like, oh yeah, we have a this Orlando Devs group and it has like six thousand members or whatever we're up to now, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, what? You know, they're like Orlando's like a small town. I'm like, I mean, kind of, not really, but you know, but it's just it's it's interesting. We have it's very spread out. It's yeah, it's 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 sprawled, right? Like yeah, yeah, you just can't judge us by don't judge us by our downtown. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, I love our downtown. Hey, I live downtown, so I love downtown. We have a great downtown. I don't want it to get, you know, actually, this downtown, see, not to side, sidetrack it, but this downtown reminds me of Miami when I grew up in Miami, mm-hmm. right? And their downtown was kind of small, and the skyline was kind of like, you know, pretty. And now you go to Miami, and it's like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in Manhattan. So I, I like this downtown. Don't change it. <laughs> Yeah, downtown in Tampa is totally different. It's like I live in Ybor City and it's like the old district of downtown. It used to be like a hotbed for, for drugs and trafficking and lots of other stuff back in the day. <laughs> Sounds lovely. <laughs> I mean, we even have... Um, is this why have, you moved there? Yeah, it was different. I wanted something different. I wanted something not like Orlando and I picked the okay. one spot that was very, very unique. I mean, like I literally like go outside my door and I can see chickens walking across the street. That's, that's, that's the life I live right now in Tampa. It's different. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to get over, so, uh, ask you some other questions. I, I know we are talking about earlier, like kind of like how you started Orlando devs and, and kind of like the involvement that both you, but both you put together to kind of grow the community and, and grow the space and create like this great environment for me and German to kind of like start our careers. And now we're kind of like, and giving back to the community as well. I want to kind of like pivot and ask more questions on kind of like life as an organizer in terms of like, hey, like what what sort of things did you not know going in like when you when you signed up to become an organizer at Orlando Devs? Like, like what does it take to run Orlando Devs? What is it? What are things that you have to do on a day-to-day basis that most people are just not aware of? Or what are some stories that you can think of related to like, experiences you had that you thought like this is how running a developer organization is going to be like but then you ran into an issue with the sponsor or, like someone didn't show up or you, you get what i'm saying though like do you want to kick it off doc yeah i mean um you know i think uh brian can speak to a lot of what it what goes into the events as they've gotten you know bigger and and kind of uh, more more production over time but uh you know on the i guess on the back end things which is kind of how i first got started with the orlando devs there's just a lot of boring stuff like and I, and I won't bore you guys too much with it either but I mean so if if you want uh you know some some protection of liability then you you sort of and and also to entice donations so we are most of our funding is actually from individuals not from companies in the way that you know our, our thesis of attracting the community to sort of self-fund um, was becoming a nonprofit then they can write off those things so that was like you know, we're like, oh yeah, we'll just do that. But obviously, there was there was a bit more than we uh, had expected. Not just filing all the paperwork, but now every year, you ha- those are returns you have to do. There's a set of books that you have to keep track of, and you know, it may not be as complex as running a business like a like a normal business, but it's probably almost as complex as you know, running doing your own personal you know check balancing and taxes, right? So just double the amount of that uh, that you're doing every year, you know, by itself is, is, uh, is, is decent, let alone like the minutia of, you know, trying to carry the community forward, you know, trying to get the board involved. I think, you know, our board would, would tell you um, as well. It's just, it's just hard to, for everyone to find the time because, not, you know, we're all volunteers, like none of us are paid to do this. And so um, getting kind of uh, getting, getting everyone organized and committed and, and trying to run this thing. And then you ask like, well, what, what, you know, what else do they need to do? Like literally there are conversations that we'll have about, you know, something happened in Slack and there'll be 
you know, people like, and then we have to decide like, well, should we, should we ban this person? Should it just be a warning? Is that too, is that too strong? Is that not strong enough? Does it actually violate the, I mean, you know, this is an entire conversation that, uh, you know, I really, I really don't think helps our community, right? Like we kind of want, we're not, not designed to be uh, moderation. We're again, we're, we're volunteers. So there's like a lot of little things like that. And that is nothing, none of that has anything to do with the events. And that by itself is, is a, is a big, big job. Uh, and, and Brian has been, you know, leading, leading the charge there. So yeah, just, just, it was a lot more work, I think, than I believe any, any of us thought it would be, you know, even, even just to, to do what we're doing now. And, you know, there's a lot of goals that we still have, and, and we're kind of chipping away at it. So definitely not like, you know, we've addressed everything that we want to address, but we're proud of what we've done so far, given given the resources that we have. And, you know, we, we think we can continue to, to grow and make it better. Um, but, you know, Brian, do you want to speak to kind of the effort in, involved in kind of the event stuff? Sure. I mean, I think you, you touched on a lot of really, really good things there. And I hadn't even thought, I, I do find... The Slack group is is great. I also find it to be the sort one source of like, uh, you know, like to, because of those things like that come up that it's those conversations are never fun. It's like when your kids fight. Like I just want like you guys need to solve it yourselves, please. Like yeah. don't don't make me decide. I wasn't even there. <laughs> I, I think it's even funny too because as like we're admins and yet they you can start a private slack like a group there and i we have no idea what y'all are and then you can start a fight and get into everybody gets into it's like the admins are like yeah I, we don't have a clue what's going on we're locked out of that unless we get invited so it's like it's a whole weird thing and yes um you know herman mentioned in the chat here we we did okay. have a politics channel that did, did not go well um i think We've now eliminated that, though. I think it exists on channels we're not allowed, we're not seeing. Um, and there are sometimes I see mentions of of channel of other channels going on that I'm like, okay, I, I I'm glad nobody invited me to that one. And I do feel like like I get seen every once in a while. I can't be on every channel, but I'm trying to be on some of the more active ones. And I'm like. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I get I get to be the, the grumpy old man who comes in and be like, hey, you know, let's kind of divert this conversation in a more productive area. Because I feel like, you know, sometimes it gets to be like criticizing people's technology choices or criticizing. The, I mean, it's just it's silliness. Uh, and that's not the point of all that. Right. So that 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 part does get to be a lot, you know, but I think that's part of the success of, of Orlando devs in the sense, like we get problems that probably if you were just a regular meetup organizer, like just decide you wanted to start your own meetup. It's just not, you're not dealing with a Slack group with 5,000 people on it mm -hmm. right out the bat. I mean, it could be something you eventually get to, but, but it's not something you're necessarily going to have to deal with. Nor I think like, I think it's great that we are a not-for-profit, but like it, it's not necessarily something that uh, an organizer starting out would, necessarily i think even jock would probably say like don't not necessarily something you want to start out with right at the gate right like you, this is a you build towards that and and once you have like the foundation then you know you can kind of get that going yeah there was already kind of a, a team yes. of, of organizers for that so it's like okay well if, if there's already a group of people you know a solo organizer without a lot of support it, you know it's it I, might be overkill yeah 
I say as far as like the actual like meetup events themselves, um, you know, it's, it's the t- there's only two tough parts about that really. It's just venue, speaker. Yeah, like in finding finding speakers is is the lesser of the two. It's usually like we have a good community and we get a lot of volunteers. Although I did find when I ran stuff in Boston, it was hard to get volunteers for speaking. And I often spoke at a lot of events because it was just like, well, okay, we're going to run one, but I don't actually have any volunteers. and Or I, I started kind of streaming in people virtually to speak because I just was, you know, you start running out of people sometimes volunteers willing to to speak on stuff but you know for the most part that's not been an issue in orlando we usually have more more volunteers than we have spots for speakers but i would say the venue is always a problem especially once you grow to a size that's that becomes difficult to house like i mean we had we were at a place that we we hosted the last time we hosted there they're like listen we love you guys but you're too much for us i mean like we can't we don't have the capacity for like the, you know, 80, 80 plus people in here, which is, and it's hard to find places that can fit, you know, uh, 80 to a hundred or more. I mean, we'll fit it. Like, like Jacques mentioned, we fit up to that one standing room only for 200 people. Right. So venues get to be, a, venues are always a problem, regardless of whether you're doing a small meetup or a large meetup, but they're even more problematic when you're doing a large meetup. And then, even even more problematic when you add on the pandemic and places that were once more willing to just be like, yeah, we'll invite a hundred people into our offices are like, yeah, I don't know if we want a hundred people in our offices. We don't know, you know, and, and people start looking at the liability of hosting this stuff a little bit differently. So again, maybe not a problem you'll encounter if you're starting something new in your small group, but mm-hmm. definitely a problem we're, we're trying to deal with. We're fortunate in that sense that because of the foundations that that Sergio and Jacques built over, you know, particularly Jacques in, in recent years, that we have the finances to kind of get through that and even rent a venue like we did last month. But most meetup organizers are funding this out of their own pocket. I mean, I paid for eight years. I, the group I ran in Boston, I paid for the food every single time. Oh, wow. Pocket my mo- that last, um, yeah. that last meetup we did, I think cost us with, with discounts, um, from all the vendors, $4,000. Wait, which, yeah. which meetup was this? Is at the Orlando yeah. Science oh, Center. Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah, so so much for like the what was it, Meetup King or whatever your title was. <laughs> I live in Canada. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, That's well, funny. the Meetup King would have been there anyway. Well, well, Dwayne was there, was he? No, he was. He's on travel. Actually, no, Dwayne. Dwayne was not there. So we we need we're we're gonna crown a new Meetup King. Yeah, you you need some new blood, some some young blood. <laughs> No, but uh, well, we actually, actually, since we started last month, um, we already had four or five events over the course of one and a half months, and we've already had two sponsors. One of our actual bills for one of the events actually came out to eight hundred dollars, and the sponsor actually paid for it, so that was awesome. <laughs> but wow. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Was it eight hundred dollars for what for for food or what was for what food a, for food at a nice restaurant? Um, and then we also had another event over at one of the cyber tech security firms, uh, ReliQuest, and they sponsored like a whole catering for like 20 people. That's pretty awesome. So 
Uh, but yeah, nice. so so we're we're at the stage where it's like we're not big enough to establish nonprofit status because of all the accounting issues that Jacques stated. I don't even know how to handle any of that, to be fair. So I'd rather just have the the sponsor or recruiting firm or venue sponsor, whatever, um, pay for it. To be clear, it isn't that big a deal, but it's just like I barely can do my own taxes. So that's why I'm like having a whole other set is like, you know, more than I have bargained for. I can't even do my (laughs) own taxes because uh, my family runs a business and my name is on that. So I can't even physically do my own taxes because they're so complicated. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like we have to go through an accounting because I can't actually like, I can't understand all of that stuff. It's just so different every time. Like none of the rules of traditional accounting apply to me. So it's like, I, I don't even like getting into accounting is a whole different story. So my, my thought process is, you know, the sponsor kind of like set up the venue and pay for food. And then that way we don't legally touch any sort of like any finances for now until we get to that point where we actually need to set up a nonprofit 503 step, 503 C status. I think that's the best approach. At least. I think that makes sense. And it's an approach I've, I've used before where, where, where I did actually get a sponsor. They usually would just, pay for this stuff directly i'd send them or or i'd send them receipts and they pay me back or something like that so it was just yeah that that works um and i think it's the easiest way to get going yeah if you can if you're lucky enough to get sponsors because uh you're you're very fortunate in that in that oh, we've been it's, definitely it's very hard fortunate. to get sponsors for meetups sometimes we got a third venue lined up at one of the incubators in town and then i'm going to like visit it next week but yeah, it's just it's just we've been lucky. Like people in Tampa are just really cool when it comes to sponsoring venues. It just because there's nothing really like happening, I guess, in the area so now that COVID's kind of like dying down. But yeah, I, I do remember one of the conversations we had earlier is like you're saying earlier, Brad, you've been paying for food for eight years. Like I don't want to get to that point where I'm paying for food for any events because <laughs> like as an organizer, you have to pay for meetup dot com and then you have to pay for uh, all the other services that you would use in a traditional business such as like mailchimp if you ever pay for that or if, if you're using a paid zoom account for holding virtual events like like there's just a bunch of little small things yeah. that start mm-hmm. adding up so, really quickly <laughs> so that 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 is part of you know glad you mentioned that actually because if you are able to do you know if there's other meetups there that you all can connect with and support and and you know, offer access. I mean, that's, that's also what we do, like for the meetups that like officially come into like our Orlando desk community, we pay their meetup fees. You know, we have a zoom that we, we share with people, you know, we have, you know, different accounts that we can just uh, offer, offer access and kind of reduce, reduce the load on the organizers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it can, it can be a lot. Um, and I think a lot of times the the people who come don't necessarily realize like what the organizers have to put in besides their time, right? Like that they're funding out of their pocket. I don't even think that group that I ran for eight years, except for occasionally they were like, wait, who pays for the pizza and stuff every time? And it's like, yeah, I've been paying for that for eight years. Yeah. So they, and that's fine. I mean, I did it. I didn't, if I wanted to stop doing it, I would stop doing it, but I liked doing it and it, you know, it wasn't that big a deal, but but I, I think it is is one of those things like you know um, you don't it, 
people don't necessarily realize like that there's funding involved that that these things cost cost money i always even mention it when on the online events i run like once you start to grow the community like the like you said the stuff like mailchimp and all it adds up and once your list gets big i mean the there's no cheap at least not that i found unless you want to run your own like no cheap way to run a mailing list if you use any of the services like mailchimp or i use active campaign for that it adds up real quick once you get to a certain size, it's like, okay, you, it escalates quickly. And I'm in the hundreds of dollars a month just for that. And oh then, God, wow. you know, and then the, you know, Zoom or I pay for Crowdcast. I don't pay for Zoom. So Crowdcast costs a bunch to run the online stuff. And then, you know, and so it's just, yeah, it adds up. So I tell them, I'm like, I know you think like online events is going to be like, oh, well, it's just, you know, just whip up a zoom and you're good to go right like no this stuff, <laughs> this stuff takes money too it cost me a lot and i didn't realize that when i started doing them i knew it was going to cost me a little but i didn't realize how quickly it would ramp up once you if you actually had the you know success in growing it it's like all of a sudden it's like oh that's awesome that's what i wanted except oh no yeah so yeah Oh, wow. But not, you know, not to scare anyone. I, obviously, I want. I, I think the more people doing this, the better. I want more people to be out there in their local communities building these these kinds of organizations for developers. So it's not not meant to scare anybody. These things don't happen overnight. You know, so you can kind of learn as you go. Oh, for sure. And I, I know, German, you're also an organizer for the View Meetup in in uh, in Orlando, right? You know, we were talking about. Uh, Orlando devs sharing the um, the services for for Zoom for Meetup to different organizations within the community, whether it's for like PHP, Vue, data science, machine learning, PHP, etc. I'm sure uh, a German also has experience as a organizer as well. So, do you have anything that German or any thoughts regarding like anything we've discussed about? Well, yeah. Well, obviously, um, not as I don't have as much as insight as you guys because even though I'm technically the organizer of the meetup, I actually started being the organizer uh, like two months before uh, the pandemic hit um, last year. So I managed to host two events, both of them online, and that was just me streaming to YouTube. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I don't I don't really count here at the moment for any insights. But you've had to like run the meetup though. And, and as as like a one of those uh, one of the organizations within Orlando Devs, like you've had to like advertise the, the event, you've had to market it, and then people would RSVP, and then people who RSVP didn't show up necessarily per se. Like <laughs> like twenty people might RSVP, but only ten people show up. Have you oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and definitely all the struggles of, of event management, but. Yeah, and surprisingly, the one meetup, the one event that had the most people show up was like the first like coffee hour we did, like a uh, view and coffee hour. That one actually had like ten people show up, which was kind of interesting. But yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting too for me. That I've been running. I started these social meetups just because we didn't have a good venue for like consistent venue for for running the ones with speakers that you need to have like okay i need to have a, a projector and i need to have a screen and etc mm-hmm. etc et right and and we've as you know like they we had great turnout and then the one yesterday we had a really great turnout to that as well i mean that was i think it was bigger than the one you came to the yesterday was probably like 40 plus people i mean so like 
you know, not the hundred that we get at the regular meetup, but but just to say that, you know, if you want to just start something like that's even a great way to start something. You don't have to have presenters. You don't have to get like just say, hey, we're going to meet here and talk. We're going to network and meet other developers and just kind of chat. And and I I literally picked a place because it's walking distance to my house. And, and and it had a, it had a, a lot of space too. That's the other reason. But like I'm like okay, uh, I'm gonna be there having to drink at seven o'clock. You know, um, come meet me basically. And and it worked. And 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 people have really enjoyed it. And it's a very different kind of dynamic than the regular meetup. And that's but that's kind of cool. I, I like that. And so I think even going forward, I may alternate between having just a social meetup and having mm-hmm. a regular meetup because it, it's it's good to switch that up. And, and uh, you know, again, if you're somebody who's looking to start, like that's a really low effort kind of thing you could do. Like just, I don't have to get a speaker necessarily. I don't have to just, just say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to be here. Uh, if you're into this, come, come, come meet me. That's it, you know? So I actually had to, I actually did do that for our first event because um, when I first moved to Tampa, I'm like, I don't know anybody here. And so I joined all the 20s and 30s young professional groups and started going to like the social meetups, right, to meet new people. And I became really good friends with you know some of the people I met two years ago when I first moved to Tampa. There's this event like every third Thursday of the month. And it's literally, like like you said, like five minutes away from where I live, driving, like I go, I go to the gym there, like the gym in the area, like every day or every other day. And they just have a bunch of food trucks lined up right on the, on the, the side road. And there's like a little park here too, as well. And there's like a hundred plus people there. They aren't really specifically there for development or they're just, they're just residents in the area. People that are hanging out, people that are in their twenties and thirties just, that's that, that's the demographic in that group. I used to go to an event there for like the young professionals in town. I'm like, Hey, our first event, what do we do? And and, and like getting a speaker lined up, getting a venue lined up when you don't have any people actually in your group is kind of challenging because like it's a chicken or egg problem. So the best way to, to actually host a group to make it fun for everybody and still like have it low effort is just host it at a place that's already having an event. It's basically, it's basically guerrilla marketing. So um, I'm just like, let me use your resources to host the event. You guys are hosting the event here for all these food trucks. You've done all the hard work. We're just going to show up there and just have a good time. <laughs> so low effort. Um, and it worked out. Like, like I actually, that area in town is more of like the upscale-ish area in town. Like I live in the, like the potentially ghetto part of town. Like it's a, it's a highly gentrified area part of town. I live I live in the gentrified, but there's like a nice part of it. it's. It, anyways, it's just five minutes away. There's like the really really like nice part of town. Yeah, we hosted an event there, and then we I just put name tags on everybody with Tampa devs, and that was the first event. And we ended up getting like five new people to join our group just because there were developers in the area and they were curious, and then they joined. So it worked out. So we we just got users we got users offline through through offline like we I've been using in terms of like growing a community I've been using kind of strategies that startups will use for growing and growing a user base like I, I guess you'd call it growth hacking it's literally the same concept like like you were saying earlier running a nonprofit is like running a business right like once you treat it like a business it all makes sense right it's the same work it's the same type of things you have to deal with but yeah. 
what lessons have you guys learned just running Orlando devs? If you want to kick it off, Brian, I mean, you've talked a lot about the things that you learned as an organizer, like some of the challenges you ran across compared to like your times working with groups in Boston, working with CFE dev, I guess. And then like also like getting venues and getting sponsors. Are there any additional things you learned or any like sort of additional notes you want to make about other things you, you've done related as an organizer? Like things you, you didn't predominantly know. Like for instance, you ran a conference one time, right? You ran flashback conference. I a lot of But that was your first in-person conference, was it not? Or one of your first in-person conferences? No, I, I've actually run uh, a lot of in-person conferences going back 15 years. Put it this way, my first in-person conference was for a technology called Flex, which probably none of you know because it preceded your, you know, it was built on Flash, but you weren't even developers in. So, yeah, so uh, I've been running a lot. I know a little action script still. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. So, so, so yeah, I, I've been running a lot of in-person. If you want to know about that stuff, man, I got that, that's hard. That's that's a real, that's a whole different thing. Running a conference is a whole different thing, and I would say it's it's. I know a lot of developers dream of doing it, and I'm not. I wouldn't tell you not to do it, um, but it, it is a big undertaking. And there was a period when I saw a lot of community conferences pop up and then disappear. And every time I I talk to some of these organizers because I've been doing it for a while, and I'm like, listen, you just got to make sure that you that this. You know, first of all, they're like, no, this is going to be totally for the community. I'm not going to make a dime. And I'm not going to. And of course, then they get burnt out because it's like they lose money and spend money. And it's like, and, and then for what? That's because it's a huge endeavor and it takes so much time. Never mind the money. It takes a lot of time, a lot of money, and they can't do it for nothing. So, you know, um, it's not like. And it's not like you're going to get rich off of running these things, really, to be honest. Um, they're not, they, they make money, but it, you know, it's hard to make a lot of money off of. But, but the point is, like, it's, that's a big undertaking. I, I, I've had a lot of fun doing it. And I kind of tell my wife every time I run a conference, it's like, she's like, you know, she tells me up until the, the, I actually, the actual event, I am like, why do I do this? I hate this. I never want to do this again. And then I run the event. And I'm like, oh, that was so much fun. I'm going to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's like, you know, so, so yeah, if you're like a, a masochist, then yes, it's great. Um, but otherwise it's, it's very stressful. Uh, and I would say the hardest thing, the funniest thing, the hardest thing about running a conference is, to me, in my mind, is selling tickets, getting awareness, making people mm -hmm. like you'd think the hardest thing would be like getting the content. Nope. That's that part's actually really, really easy. Getting the venue can be easy too. It just can be very expensive. So if you want to do something like lesser, less expensive, it gets complicated because you end up doing your own food and your own, you know, like you handle a lot of the details that, like, if you go to a conference center, they handle for you. Mm hmm. But even that's that that's that takes a little bit of practice because you'll over you'll overbuy the first time and then and spend a lot and it's very very expensive. But after that, it's okay. Uh, you figure it out. And but then every single time, no matter how many conferences I've run, selling tickets was difficult. Oh, uh, marketing uh, in general. <laughs> yeah. Getting yeah, and and because everybody waits till literally the very last second to buy their tickets. So you know, so so up until like. 
for an in-person conference up until about two weeks before you're like, oh, this is going to be an abysmal failure. And my sponsors are going to hate me and I'm going to lose lots of money. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, worked out. <laughs> Brian told me, got, told me a trick, which is like to put a little bit to, to actually, um, that caterers will allow you to add a little bit more food, but they won't let you take it away. So you put a little bit less than what you think you might get. And if you get more attendees, then you can, you can, the day before you can ask them for a little bit more food. Interesting. That's a fun tip. Yeah. 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 Always. I, you got to underbuy food because a lot of people don't even buy, don't even eat the food. Um, so, so you, that's what, that's one of the mistakes you make early on is you, is you overbuy. So like better on, I would go into a venue and this is kind of getting away from running meetups and stuff, but I go into a venue <laughs> and I'm like, listen, number one, what's the minimum I need to commit to? Like, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of whether I'm running a big conference or little, what's the minimum? And then I commit to the minimum, right? Mm-hmm. And because I can always, you can generally always add on. And even if they're like, if it's a hotel venue that, and you're getting rooms and stuff, they'll tell you like, oh, by the way, we're going to, we're running out of rooms. Are you sure you don't want to expand the room block? They'll let you know if you, otherwise just commit to the minimum because otherwise you'll get, if you overcommit, that's where you get, you get really, really screwed. And where you, I've seen conferences go under because, the difference between a conference that makes, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and a conference that loses a hundred thousand dollars is not that many attendees, right? It's really not. So um and that's just for a bigger conference. That's for like a you know a smaller community conference, you're normally gonna lose like like mm-hmm. you know, not gonna lose that much. I did like I put it this way, flashback conference a lot lost eight thousand dollars, probably. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of my own pocket. So yeah, uh, it's not fun when you when you run them and it doesn't work out. Sounds like being an organizer for large events is a lot of work, and it's like it's like being an unsung hero in the industry. There's just there's just so much you have to deal with that most people don't see. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. I will say that's that's probably the one lesson for me is like it has to be inner fulfillment, right? Like. No one, uh, no one's going to really, I mean, you know, some people thank you for running the event and so <laughs> forth, but, uh, you know, like all the work that we, you know, try to do to like keep everyone happy on Slack or do the taxes or, you know, whatever, like no one knows about that stuff. So, um, you just have to have an inner fulfillment. Like if you are not inner, if you like that, that feeling that, you know, Brian was talking about, um, you know, after a conference it's the same sort of thing is, is just, uh, you know, after you do it, if you get a good feeling inside that makes you want to keep going, if you don't have that, you're going to really struggle. So make sure you're, you're doing something that you're really passionate about. And it's at the scale that you feel like you can handle it, right? Yeah. Don't set agree. yourself up for failure. Totally agree. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for the, the advice on that. Like, especially as like a new organizer, it's like, it, it definitely is like a, a, a passion project, right? Like I'm seeing friends connect with other friends that are more experienced and like they're getting jobs from those people. And then like being the person that being the connector of people is just like, it's a very fulfilling promise. Like it's, it just makes you feel great. Like you just feel so good about yourself that like, Hey, it's like I connected these two people, two people together and they're working together. And like, I'm the middleman that kind of introduced them all together. I mean, before I started throwing like tech events, I was throwing parties all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) same concept, but not career driven. Anyways, uh, German, do you think it's uh, time for dessert?
yeah, basically what dessert time is, it's just a little section where we kind of just kind of get to share a little bit of what's going on in our lives. Uh, usually things that are sweet, but not all desserts are always sweet. So, uh, Vincent, did you want to go first today? Yeah, yeah. So I got my ears pierced. I got it. <laughs> I got it pierced oh, like nice. a few months ago. It was a very interesting experience. I didn't know what to expect. I kind of wanted to do it for a while, but, you know, I'm Asian and Asian, like, <laughs> you don't you don't talk about talk when you're, you're dealing with an Asian parent to like why you get earring it look <laughs> girl <laughs> and I'm just like mom dad I'm gonna do whatever I want <laughs> and I just got it and I had to keep it in for like several months and wash it every day and then I had to like change out like the the stock on the end it was like sticking out really far because that helps you clean it out and then like they had to change it out like a few months back to like shorten it so it doesn't poke me when i'm sleeping i have to wear it for so now, a year yeah now the question is are you going to uh expand to other piercings oh no across the <laughs> no, no. So my, my thought process on tattoos and earrings is a little bit looks good in moderation like, everything is good in moderation when you put too much it doesn't look that great that's just my personal opinion everyone has a different opinion but um I like going for a clean, classy look. German, you want to kick it off now on, on yeah, your visit? Yeah. Definitely. So I um, finally started getting back into the gym after like a couple amount of years. My goal was to go last year, but you know what happened. So um, so yeah, I've just been going back to the gym. It's been great. feel a lot better than I felt in a really long time. Awesome. Nice. It's great. What about you, Brian? Uh, so yeah, I had my dessert was about like some, um, some games I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm curious about, I don't know if either any of you play video games, but I play this game called Apex Legends and Apex Legends has their new season starting with a new map and new character. And I'm like hoping it brings some life because I kind of feel like I'm like the, the whole battle royale format has gotten a little tired and I'm a little bored of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe it'll be fun, and I am definitely, definitely looking forward to that. I saw a new preview of the Halo, and oh my god, that looks like it's going to be amazing. I uh, can't wait. And I did get my my Series X like a month and a half ago or so, and mm-hmm. and there's not there's not really any games that like push the hardware in any sense, but that one looks like it's going to look really, really impressive. Um, so can't wait. I gotta check that out. Yes, for sure. I've been uh, I've been playing the new Amazon MMO. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been playing that every so often. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I haven't played an MMO in like ten years, but I go through different gaming cycle phase phases. Like, like one year I'll play MMOs, and next year I'm like, I feel like playing FPS, and now I feel like playing Battle Royale, and then after I get bored of those, I play RTS. <laughs> I I still play a lot of Destiny too. That's my other one. But there's That's there's okay. some big stuff coming in Destiny, but not. I think it's still a little a bit off. I found a new game. It's not, I don't know if it's I don't think it's new, but mm-hmm. it's called um it's Minecraft, but it's it's in the you know real time strategy you know area. So it's actually reminds us of Diablo. My wife and I used to play Diablo when we were younger. You know, it's actually the one thing I have a seven-year-old and a ten-year-old, and they can, you know, they can play this game too. So is that the it's, dungeons it's fun one? that we can all, yeah, Minecraft Dungeons mm-hmm. uh, is is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you have kids, that's a great one because uh, there's no blood, but it's you know everything else is very similar <laughs> mechanics too. You know, and then like uh, I guess my dessert would be 
um, I got this this new non-tablet tablet called a Remarkable. Oh, oh those that? things are nice. I, I really yeah, yeah, it's really sweet. Like how does it work? Yeah, so it's it's an e-ink display, so it doesn't take any power to you know to just display something, uh-huh. and then you write on it. You know, just like a, a normal, but you have like different tips and things. Uh-huh. Well, the great part is like, you know, I can, you know, I can, there's nothing. It's a touch screen in, in some ways, mm-hmm. but um, you, you don't really accidentally like do random stuff on. The, so that was the one thing I noticed of trying to use an iPad uh-huh. as a notepad replacement. It doesn't quite work because none of the apps really have quite this, the got it down um, to that paper feel, mm-hmm. but this this tablet, I actually don't need a notepad anymore, yeah. and I used to always always carry one. So, you know, really like every I've, day. I've, I've I've really toyed I with do. getting that um, because I mean it does feel like when you write on it, it does feel like almost not exactly, but like paper, right? I, I highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it's safe for me is. Um, you know, when you forget your notebook somewhere, like you left it at home and you remember you wrote something down on it, but like, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't, uh, you it's just not it. cheap though. Wait, wait, okay. so yep. that's, that's been the one thing that's held me back. I'm like, Oh my God, like that's, that's almost like an iPad cost, you know, like, what is it? Yeah. Like so the remarkable, sorry, I didn't mention that part. Um, it, it sinks to the cloud just, you know, let, uh, so, you know, even if you forget the remarkable at home, you can still pull it up on your desktop. Ah, uh, okay. Wait, what if you run two Remarkables, one at work and one at home? You just can sync it up that way? You know, I have not. That sounds logical, so I, I haven't tried that. But, Save yourself the yeah. effort of putting your backpack and taking it back to the office. Yeah, yeah. Why do that? That's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe Any I'll other? add that to my Christmas list. <laughs> you got it, Brian. Any other uh, closing remarks you guys would like to make, Brian or Jock? No, thank you for having us on the show. You know, we, you know, we're really excited to see, you know, where Tampa Devs goes and uh, we're happy to, to see you uh, leading the charge there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we, that's it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll participate in your events when we can as well. Awesome. Um, I'm excited to see where the Orlando View meetup goes as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, German? <laughs> that means I actually yeah. have to start doing something. It's been like a year since we had our last meetup. <laughs> <laughs> There's only like five view users in Orlando, man. <laughs> well, it's got to start somewhere. Oh, well, if that's everything, uh, I guess we'll sign off on this one. We'll see you in the next one, guys. Thanks for dining with us on Code Chefs. We hope we satisfied your hunger. For show notes and more insider info on today's topic, visit our website at www.codechefs.dev. Plus, follow us on Twitter at CodeChefsDev. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join us back here for the next one. Uh, Check, please.